Hello and welcome to the Backcheck the Hockey History podcast. My name is Riley. Over there is Bill. Hey, how you doing? Good. How are you? I'm doing great, thanks. And today we have an American episode um, where our eligible players, Jeremy Roenick, our inducted player, re- relatively recently inducted player, is the trader, Brett Hull. And then <laughs> our old timer is Hobie Baker, um, a player who actually never played pro, so we won't have a ton to say about him. But anyway... Um, so we're going to start off, uh, with, and, and I guess the other thing, uh, the other theme aside from Hobie Baker is loudmouths, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Jer- and, and, Jeremy Roenick and Brad Hull. I mean, if you saw any of that Brad Hull footage from the St. Louis parade. I mean, that, that was something. So yeah. He yeah. was, he, uh, he looks vaguely like, uh, Doug Ford now. When yeah. A little bit. Young. Yeah. It was, well, it's, uh, Bobby Hull also is kind of like they, they're, they're you know, they were athletes for their whole lives, but they're big, like, they're, like, you wonder why they had two of the hardest slap shots of all time, maybe the hardest slap shots of all time. Like, they're big, strong guys. So, yeah. usually with big, strong guys, once they finish their athletic careers, they tend to sort of bulk up a little bit just because they're not yeah. working out 24-7. Not saying he's fat by any stretch, but, like, he's he's a big guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he is a big guy. Um, anyway, uh, so, uh, Jeremy Roenick is possibly... Certainly, the most famous of the American players who are like on the bubble or not inducted, right? I would yeah. think. Um, so, um, it, it's actually funny. It's taken us so long to get to him, but the reason being is that he actually doesn't have. He's not as high up on the uh, on the all time leaderboard as you might think. Yeah, um, he only has five hundred goals and he only has twelve hundred points, which uh, makes him the third American born player ever in both categories, but is w- way down um, on the uh, overall leaderboards at uh, I, 40th and uh, 43rd. I have a feeling his adjusted stats are going to help him a lot, though, because he played a lot of his career during the clutch and grab. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, we'll see. <laughs> so uh, um, we, uh, you know, so he's basically uh, 500 goals, 700 assists, 1,200 points, plus 153. 1300 games so you know played a while uh from 88 to 2009 15 of those seasons were good um his average ice time is not great but that's partly because it was the second half of his career 17 42 is you know it's still good for a forward yeah, yeah it's, it's it's fine but it's like it's top six yeah and obviously he was playing top three minutes for the part of his career that he wasn't Having his ice time tracked, yeah, and was playing top three uh, for the first few years of you know the second half of his career as well when he was on Phoenix and then um, part of his time in Philly. Um, so uh, and he's a uh, he's third among American players in offensive point shares. So if you take a point share seriously, it's he's third all time in terms of you know uh, uh, point shares. Of course, they're they're cumulative; they're not per game. So yeah. Some of this comes from playing 1,300 games, but still, uh, by some metrics, the third best offensive player in uh, the history of the league in terms of Americans. But of course, La- like Pat LaFontaine wouldn't be on that up there yeah. because he didn't play as much, for example. Yeah. Why it's a flawed metric. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so we'd like to talk about drafts. He was drafted eighth overall in 1988. And uh, he's, it, I mean, that's, we've talked about this year. A lot. <laughs> yeah. 
pretty good draft year. Yeah, and a lot of these guys have found their way into the Hall of Fame, and we've talked. So that's why we've talked about a bunch of them. Um, he is uh, fourth in goals in that draft year, but that's because he's behind Timu, Mark Recchi, and Mike Badano. And uh, he's fifth in point and uh, sorry in assists behind those same people plus Rod Brendamore. And he's uh, he's fourth in points again behind Recchi, Solani, and Madano. So, you know, in some other normal years, he might be the best player in his draft, but because uh, because of the year. A particularly illustrious one. He's third or fourth, depending on your. I mean, that also depends. Like, because you could argue, I think. I'm not sure I would make this argument, but I think a lot of people would listen to an argument that Roenick was a better player in his peak than Mark Recchi was, even though Mark Recchi had a way better best season. I, I. Yeah, it's a tough argument because Recchi sort of. He didn't play the same robust style that uh, uh, Ronick did. And he certainly was not as loud about it as Ronick was. <laughs> um, like, you know, even when Ronick wasn't scoring, he was yapping at the other team. He was giving some sort of interview where he'd be rambling about something like he, he had a real mouth on him. So he was, I think, brash enough to get garner more attention, whether he was influencing the game or not, even though, I mean, he was such a good player that he clearly influenced a lot of games, but, if he was having a bad night, you still kind of noticed him because he'd be yapping at somebody or starting a fight or like he was yeah. one of those in your face kind of guys. But I mean, it's a great draft. Like we yeah. look back, you got McGilney, you've got uh, Rob Blake. Uh, and don't forget, this is the draft where uh, where the Maple Leafs selected Peter Ng. That's very important <laughs> to note, Rilo. <laughs> I had to get that in there. <laughs> Thank you for that. Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, oh, as a response to that, I, I would just like to say that the Toronto Raptors are NBA champions. There you so go. That's it has nothing to do with the Maple Leafs or hockey, but it makes me feel better about being a Toronto <laughs> sports fan. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I just mean that, like, you know, there was a time, I think, even though, you know, you look at Recky's best season and it is – substantially better than Ronick's best season. There was still a time when Ronick, when he was scoring hundred points a season was considered kind of like very, very good. Oh my God. In yeah, part because of what you're talking about. Right. Because in addition to scoring, he was annoying oh, and, yeah. and yeah. hard to play against because yeah, of especially that. in those, the, his early days when he was in Chicago. Yeah. Um, like there was well, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah. They even reference him in the, the movie swingers. Really? Yeah, I've seen it, but like 20 years ago. Yeah, they're, they're like playing NHL 94, and one of the guys, they're, they're in LA, so one of the guys is wearing his Gretzky jersey and playing with Gretzky. And Vince Vaughn's like, he's like, it's, you know, he, he hits Gretzky with Ronick, and Gretzky bleeds out of his head, and he's out of the game. And he's, so the guy freaks out, and he's like, I don't even know why you're mad. It's not even that I'm good, it's Ronick. He's that good. <laughs> it's really funny but he he gets a, he gets a huge nod in that game and i didn't know when i first watched that movie of course that vince vaughn's a huge blackhawks fan only yeah that out years later during the vancouver chicago rivalry when he sat front row every game <laughs> but it, then it made then it made a lot of sense why but like yeah ronick ronick was regarded as i would say during that era chicago's best player and that was cool. a team with chelios with larmer with uh, they, had, they had really Ed Belfour, like there were Hall of Famers on that team, yeah. and I would say most people would have said Ronick was the best yeah. player during that era. So I mean, he's got something. Yeah, yeah absolutely. 
Um, anyway, it was a, it was a great draft. Uh, and, uh, you know, he's, he only looks like he's a top five player and a top three player in it because, you know, there's Timu's in it and, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. um, era wise, uh, he looks pretty good. Uh, so he, uh, is one of 16 players to play 1250 games between 86 and 2004. I didn't include his post lockout season. Cause that feels mean. I always, uh, when we, uh, um, um, sorry, sorry. Uh, let's let's start that again. Nineteen <laughs> players between. I was reading the wrong thing. Nineteen players between tw- uh, nineteen eighty eight and two thousand nine. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Twelve hundred fifty games. Um, he doesn't look quite as good. I uh, it may have been reading Brett Hull's thing. So let's we'll worry about that in a few minutes. Um, he is uh, eighth in goals, assists, points per game, offensive point shares, seventh in goals per game, assists per game, points, and fifth in plus minus. So he's like a top eight, top seven player in for his era, which makes a lot more sense. Um, and, uh, you know, I mean, that's... We, we've talked about a lot of people who have dominated their eras and we're still not even sometimes we're not sure, you know, whether or not they belong, but I'd say that like one knock against him for sure is that he wasn't like a top five offensive player for his era. Now he did play a long time. Mm-hmm. And so now other people played a long time too, because that there's that games qualifier in there, but still like, I would say that like the fact that he wasn't top five in those categories is a bit of a knock. Um, but I mean, that's something we can decide. Uh, so um, he his 82 game average is 73 points per 82 games, which makes sense because though he played his first few years in the wide open era, he played the vast majority of his career, um, you know, a, a huge chunk of it anyway, in, uh, in the dead puck era. And uh, so that's not a surprise that he's under a point per game. His, uh, his best years, though, he averaged... 105 points per season between 91 and 94, which is pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, sorry. said pretty damn good. <laughs> yeah. And plus 20, by the way, it's worth noting, um, per season. So that's good. Um, uh, and we have a little bit of Corsi information for him, which is the very tail end of his career, but he was a very positive Corsi and or, or possession player for the last for his last two years, which says something. Yeah. Because he was in his oh. late thirties and had a small role on the uh, sharks and yet was still driving play, right? So he's fifty four percent Corsi four and fifty five almost fifty seven uh fifty six percent Fenwick four. Yeah. And still bad compared to the rest of his team. So that was a very good possession team apparently, those those late uh, Ott's Sharks. Yeah. Uh, so that would have been after Thorin got there. Mm-hmm. So Ronick would have been, what, the third line center, I guess? That's um, right. It looks third or fourth based on his minutes. But anyway, the fact is he was still driving play even when he was 38, 39, and putting up very middling points numbers. 33 points in 69 games, 13 points in 42 games. But, like, uh, the ice was tilting the, the right way. So that's, you know, that says something, I think, uh, yeah, to be able to do that. 
he was always really hard to play against. Yeah. And the thing is, like, we've talked a lo- about a lot of players at this point who, like, their careers and just as, like, possession stats are being tracked. Yeah. And most of them have shitty last few season possession totally. stats. Like, it's quite rare to see one of these guys who was in their late 30s in, like, 2008 having, like, positive pos- – or not even positive, but, like, like mid-50s possession numbers. Mid-50s are borderline elite. Mm-hmm. So that's that's actually really impressive to me is that he yeah. was still um, so you know it, it gives it's like a proxy for being good defensively right yeah despite his he was a minus in at least one of those seasons but that's a whole other story mm-hmm. um, his his adjusted numbers actually don't help him very much hmm. they, only, they only up his average by uh, one one point and my guess there Bill is that his very best seasons were in those pre-trap years. Yeah, and and also don't forget at the end of his career when scoring was going up from 2006 to 2009, he was on the downslope of his career, so he wouldn't have put up good numbers in those. Yeah, years. So that's got to that hurt him a lot. Yeah, yeah. So there's definitely both of those things are affecting mm-hmm. that adjustment for sure. Um. So then we have uh, our other favorite thing to talk about is trades. Um. He was involved in one big one and one um, very middling <laughs> one that I didn't even remember happened, yeah. actually. Um, the big one was he was traded to Phoenix in 1996, in the summer of 1996, for uh, Alexei of Craig Mills, and a first-round pick. Um, Jamnov, of course, was not long off of a very good season in the lockout year. So was probably considered a relatively up and coming star, even though his career would not be anywhere near as good as Ronex by the end of it. Um, and then, uh, you know, Ronick was the franchise, as you said, Bill Ronick was like the franchise player of the Blackhawks at that point. Yeah. So presumably that was the, those old terrible Blackhawks trying to shed salary. <laughs> um, I, I mean, I guess. I mean, because I know, I know you get back three assets for Ronick, but like, even even if I mean, I the only other justification is you, you think that Jamnov is going to have another year like he did in 1995. Yeah. Whereas, like, if no one remembers what I'm talking about, he put up six. He was one of the uh, leading scores in the NHL in the lockout year. Um, I think he was like second or something. Yeah, yeah, he played like out of nowhere too. Everybody's like, "Whoa, this guy's really good." <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and then like that was the best season of his yeah, career. I mean, yeah, I believe he's still like, a fine player. It's just Ronick was better. Yeah, yeah, he was third behind Yager and Lindros that year. Jamnov. So anyway, and then the next year his his year wasn't as good. Um, but anyway, yeah. So presumably Chicago's motivation was we're getting younger and uh, we're dumping salary, and Phoenix's motivation was we're we're gonna get. The best player on the Blackhawks, the best forward on the Blackhawks, anyway. Oh, totally, yeah. And then, and then they got to play with Kachuk, who I think they already had. Yeah. Um, or did they? Yeah, K- yeah. Kachuk was on. Kachuk was on the Jets, right? I'm pretty sure briefly before they moved to Phoenix. Yeah. So then he still would have been there because I remember him and Ronick playing together. They made the playoffs in yeah '96 or '97 with the, with those awful uniforms. Remember? Yeah. '99 uh, actually. Oh wow! It took, so it took a while, but. But they had well, Ronick was only there for a couple of years before that happened. Like, it was his third season in Phoenix, they made the playoffs. 
And I remember everybody, everybody thinking because they had those guys, they were going to break through and really do some damage. And then <laughs> they just got knocked out right away. I was like, oh, boy. I'm sorry. Know. No, you're right. 97. My mistake. Okay, there you go. And then they got knocked out right away. Yeah, you're right. Anyway, uh, yeah. So, I mean, I don't know how you feel about that trade. Um, um, it you know, seems reasonable. It's a reasonable trade because of what Jamnov could have been. Yeah. Um, and I, I, you know, and I, I would guess that from Chicago's perspective, from the, the, uh, the Bill Wirtz perspective, that it's like, well, you know what? I can lose, you know, I can pay a guy half the salary of Ronick and I might get the same production out of him. Yeah. And, and we didn't win. So, you know, Chicago was kind of stuck in that holding pattern, except for the one year they made it to the final of like, they always seem to be the second or third best team in the West. And they always get knocked out by, you know, the Oilers or later the Avalanche or Detroit. Like there were some great teams in the West and they were just a notch below, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. And um, I think, I think you're right about the money. And I think also they probably, I think you're absolutely right about that. Other thing is that they probably sort of figured they needed to change things up. Yeah. They and weren't. And they, they might have just got sick of Ronick running his mouth too. Who knows? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. I mean, he one thing, uh, you know, aside from Chicago, he didn't really. Well, I guess he was in Phoenix for a little while, but he definitely yeah. wore out his welcome a few times. Yeah. Um, the other trade is like, just I didn't even know it happened. Uh, he was, he was traded. Um, he was traded during the like after the lockout year. Okay. Um, uh, to LA for a third round pick. Wow. Which I was like, what? That happened? And uh, it's, I guess, uh, this is, oh yeah, he did, you know, he did play on LA actually. Sorry, 58 games, which I don't even remember that happening. I don't remember that at all. <laughs> like I remember, I remember him being on Philly and then I remember him going back to Phoenix briefly and I remember him being on the Sharks. I do not remember him being on like, on uh, the Kings, like at all. I remember him being on the Kings, but I basically didn't watch hockey that whole first year it came back because I was living in Japan. So um, I had very little access to it and they just had the lockout. So I was like, well, guess I'll pay attention if and when <laughs> it becomes yeah. important to, you know, like. Yeah. yeah. And I, I was a little bitter they'd had the lockout in the first place. So, yeah, I mean, that's fair. Yeah. So uh, he, um, he doesn't have a lot of uh, hardware. Um, in fact, he has basically none. Uh, he was top five in, in, in heart voting only once, which I was surprised by. Um, and that was, uh, that was in 1992. And then he was, uh, he was top five in Calder voting his first, his first proper year in the league. He played 20 games his first year, so he didn't qualify. Mm. Um, and, and that's, that's his awards. Uh, <laughs> uh, he was a top five uh, forward um, by point shares uh, once and top 10 twice. And uh, he famously scored 50 goals twice. Um, he's had uh, 100 points three times. Um, three times? Three times. And, uh, you know, he was, he was occasionally, he was top five in goals once, top uh, five in points once. But, like, he actually, despite putting up you know, pretty good offensive numbers over the course of his career. He was not among the leads best for a very long time. Yeah. 
And, uh, you know, like he was in, yeah, I mean, he was so well, I mean, it's interesting because he was in nine all-star games, but he never made an end of team all-star team or end of year, sorry, all-star team. And it's interesting to me because we've definitely talked about players who were in, you know, who are in top, like top 10 offensive categories multiple years in a row and, and would get into like three all-star games in the course of their entire career or something. Yeah. And so I wonder is, is Ronick in there in part because he was on a shitty Phoenix team for a while or is he in there in part because he's American or was he in there because he was popular because he was such a person, you know, this is a league that didn't have personalities really. Right. Yeah. Well, and here, don't. <laughs> yeah, and here's a guy who has a really big personality, and he's maybe not, you know, the best offensive player in the league, but he's good enough, and he, you know, he's actually like marketable. Yeah, I don't know when fan voting started with the All Star teams. Um, I think it was later than that. Yeah, so that doesn't really explain it, but it is it is interesting to me that he was in nine All Star games, and yet was what did I say top ten in points twice yeah that, that that to me that's really incongruous like those two things are like really uh <laughs> like that's they're hard to uh if he was a if he was a defenseman it would be way easier to like mesh you know sort of fit together in your head but like anyway i just i find that fascinating he's 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 a tricky case because you know he was good, yeah. But it's his measurables don't seem to jump out at you at all, and you're like, I kind of thought he was better than that. But, well, I definitely thought he was better than that. Yeah, but I, I, I like I said before, I think his his post 2004 lockout stats hurt him a lot. Um, yeah, I think if he had yeah, but even before even that then, lockout, even then, I mean, yeah. yeah, you're absolutely right, Bill. He his post years are, are bad right like his his uh he comes back from the lockout and his points per game per year are 0. 0.38 0. 0.4 0. 0.48 0. 0.31 yeah. literally all of the worst seasons of his career yeah so that takes him that takes him from being a point a game player to yeah. not a point a game player i mean mostly yes he wasn't a point per game player in phoenix or philadelphia but he was close to it okay point point eight but, but that being said, relative to the league, he still wasn't in the, you know, the top ten very much. Yeah, that's true. And you know what? I think it's he just might not have been as dominant as we thought he was. He was just yeah. he was a, a you know he was a he was a first liner his whole career except for the very end. Yeah. But maybe he just wasn't that great of a first liner. He was just a good one. Yeah. So uh, he did have a little bit of playoff success mm -hmm. with the Blackhawks specifically, and then also the Flyers. He was, uh, by points anyway, the best forward on the 92 Blackhawks, who you mentioned. Um, the team that, uh, I believe that was the team that went to the... Yeah, they, yeah, went, to the they went to the finals. finals. Got swept by uh, Pittsburgh. Yeah, and then he was, uh, he was actually also on another Blackhawks team that went to the finals in 90. Um, they did not go to the finals in 90. That was the West they didn't? final. Oh, did they really? Yeah, because Edmonton won the cup that year. I'm oh, you are absolutely right about that. Yeah, yeah. So why do I have the? Why do I have that written like that? See, it's good to like. I I made these notes for Ronick 
forever ago because <laughs> because I thought we were going to talk about them way sooner than we did. And apparently I should have gone over them again before. <laughs> That's okay. We all, you know, there's different parts of the hockey history that we remember very well. And Well, I definitely, I was not watching hockey in 1990. I can tell you that. Yeah, I had I had started in '89, so I, I was really into it by then. Yeah, you are absolutely yes, you are absolutely right. Uh, that was a sorry a Western Conference Finals team, and then uh, Eastern Conference Final team as well. The uh, the '04 Flyers, but he was his role was less by that point. He was the uh, the second line center, not the first line center. And then he um, he was a top three uh, player on. Uh, the U.S. Olympic team that came in second in 2002. And he was also a top three forward on the uh, Canada Cup USA team in 91 that finished second. And um, I don't believe he was on that uh, World Cup team that he won in 96. He must have been hurt then. Yeah, he must have been, right? Like, yeah. I didn't see it on his... Uh, I, I went to one of the games, but I don't remember him playing in it. So uh, he might have been there. I remember Tony Amonti, that's for sure. Yeah. I mean, the only reason I can think of is he was, yeah, he's not listed. It's not listed in his international. Okay. So then, yeah, he had to have been hurt. So he was hurt. Yeah. Because there's no way he wouldn't have been. No, on he would have been on the team for sure. I mean, it's the Americans, right? In the 90s, yeah. they didn't have enough players. Yeah. Um, so. I mean, I I'm with you when you said you don't remember him being you remember him being more dominant. Yeah, I I really do. I uh, I actually I remember when I was doing this and I saw the 300 point seasons. I was like, oh yeah, that's right. And then I remember what years they were in, and I was like, oh right, like he had 107 points in 1993, and like so what you know like. Yeah. That put him, I'm not even sure that put him in the top 10. Wow. Um, it didn't, actually. <laughs> because that year, everybody scored 100 points. But, um, like, I really thought he was more of a dominant player than he was. And I'm amazed also at his, like, his lack of, like, you know, he, he's got that one top five heart finish. He's got yeah. one other top 10, and that's it. Yeah. Um, it's really weird. It's almost like he was just in that grouping below the elite guys. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Always, yeah. yeah. And like the for, the best he ever did in terms of an end of season all star is fourth. Man, really? Uh, yeah. Wow. Yeah, in '92, he was it, weirdly he was fifth in heart voting, and yet somehow was, was like uh, he he didn't quite make it onto the uh, the end of season all star, which is weird because you know. Um, there are two teams, right? There's ten guys. How did the guy who was fifth in heart voting not make it into the, those ten yeah. players? But whatever, I don't understand. The the hockey writers are not always uh, consistent with that no. vote. But yeah, I mean, I I I think like I really do feel like a lot of his reputation comes from the fact that he was so big as a personality. Yeah. Because I remember, like, I remember, so for me, my memories of Roenick are, are weirdly focused on his uh, couple years in Philly. Like, because I was, like, that was 
right around the height of my hockey phase. And, you know, when he was on Phoenix, I just, I just, I mean, whether I was in high school or especially when we were at university, I didn't watch Phoenix games. (laughs) You know, I didn't have, I didn't have Phoenix games on my television. I never saw him. But once he came to Philly, I saw him. And I remember like the way the press talked about him and the way he interacted with the press and stuff, he felt like a big, you know, he was important. Yeah. And yet, you know, this was, this is his career was winding down a little bit, but he was still putting up good numbers for the, for the fact that like no one was scoring. Right. Like absolutely like 67 points in 75 games doesn't sound that great until you say, well, that was in 2002. Well, that was actually pretty damn good in 2002. Yeah. Um, I I just I always felt like he was this big, larger than life persona, and that something about that made him, you know, he was a star for lack of a better word. And so when you actually look at his numbers, you're like, well, not in not for very long, <laughs> you know. And it's, it's, uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm really leaning towards a no. Yeah. I'm, and it's shocking to me. It is, it is to me too. Um, I think given the way the hall is like in my perfect hall, he's not in. Yeah. I think given the way the hall is, he's definitely got a chance. To oh, get and uh, I this, this year in particular. Yeah. I, I think nobody is eligible. To yeah. I'm I'm willing to listen on Jeremy Roenick because I do remember how how good he was, um, and that he was you know his team's best player early in his career, and then you know was an important player for most of his career, and how badly the end of his career ended up hurting sort of his overall numbers in that. But it's like he was a point a game player. I I it's it's really I feel like if he was Canadian, I'd be like, yep, yeah, no, there's no way, it's yeah. not good enough. Yeah. But because he's an American guy and he had that sort of high profile, I'm like, yeah, he was one of the better Americans. Maybe that's why we put him in. But then you're like, well, why don't we just put him in the U.S. Hockey Hall of Fame and call yeah. it a day? Yeah. You know, so. Or if we're going to go, you know, that opens up a slippery slope to us inducting Antropov because he's the best ever Kazakh hockey player. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's not do, let's, let's not do that. um no but i'm 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 with you and i understand the reasoning and i i i um and and the thing like i totally agree with you i think he was canadian there'd just be no way in hell um but i think i think first of all the 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 eligible people right now are so middling relatively speaking that it's this year in particular is a pretty I don't know, maybe we won't get in, but I wouldn't be surprised if he or somebody else who's like a bubble guy gets in this year because yeah. they're sort of like who should we induct? Mm-hmm. Um and and also I just I think that you know you're sort of hinting at it, but like precedent has already been set, right? Yeah. There are definitely people who had worse careers than Ronick who are in the Hall of Fame right Oh, now. totally, yeah, yeah. And and so in a in an in our imperfect real world people can totally look at that and be like, well, he totally belongs. Yeah. I don't, I'm not there. Like you, like you said, I'm, I'm willing to listen to an argument. And I also feel like, have we had possession stats throughout his career? And if he comes in as like a 57% Corsi player for his career or something or 55. Yeah. 
I'm changing my mind. Absolutely. I think that's the thing that we, maybe that's why we remember him. So as being so damn good is he was really good defensively and hard as nails to play against. Yeah. And like, he could hit, he could do everything. He could take a hit. And you're like, that's the part that we just don't see in the stats. Yeah. And now you can kind of see at least a little bit, what type of player they are. Yeah. We don't have that for him. Yeah, I, we think, don't. I think the fact that he was, you know, a 56, 57% like Fenwick Corsi guy, like, or it was 55, 56, but like he's at the end of his career. You're like, how good was he when he was in his prime? Like, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, so yeah, I would like to know that, you know, to, to me, that sort of like, maybe our memories aren't wrong. And he really was that good of a player and that hard to play against. And, you know, we just finished talking about Ryan O'Reilly right before we, we came on the air. And yeah. it's like, maybe he's that kind of bad to play against, although Runnick obviously took way more penalties, but like, he's just hard to play against yeah. and usually wins his matchup unless he's playing against like Mario Lemieux or somebody like that. Like if he's not playing a great, great player, he's going to win the matchup almost every time. Yeah. So maybe that's why we remember him that way. And that's why we're sort of like surprised by the lack of like the stats popping for us. I think that's absolutely right. And, you know, I think about guys who I watched maybe a little more attentively, you know, and this isn't right. This isn't the, the, the right comparison necessarily because they're very different players and Ronick had a way better career. But I think of Keith Primo and I remember watching him mm-hmm. and always being amazed that he didn't have way more points. Yeah, especially those, those, that Philly team that lost to Tampa Bay yeah. in game seven in uh, 2000, yeah, yeah. 2004. I it's the same one that Ronick was on, yeah. 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 And Keith yeah. Primo was like, every time he touched the puck, I thought he was going to score a goal. That's how good he looked. Yeah. He was just a beast. And I'm like, and then you look at his numbers for that series, and they were decent. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, but I remember him being, like, amazing. Well, well the thing is, too, for that era, you look at his stats, and you're like, that's nothing. You're like, yeah, every game finished 2-1. Like, yeah. so if I think he scored 12 goals in the first three rounds, and that was like, oh, my God, this guy is, you know, like we should we should anoint him a saint because he i remember one goal he he tried to score and the net came off right before he put the puck in he literally was carrying guy on his back going to the net (laughs) legitimately he's giving that guy a piggyback as he goes to the net this is insane (laughs) yeah and the clutch grab was so bad in that point and Uh, i think that like ronick was was probably i didn't watch enough of his early career because frankly i didn't watch the western conference at all uh and, you know, as we've talked about many times in the 90s, it was hard to do that. It's really hard, yeah. I, I, I used to watch a lot of Western hockey because of the Canucks. Yeah. But I really only saw those teams in the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, you watch you watched the playoffs. You didn't watch the regular season unless it was your, you know. Unless I mean, unless they were, game, right? they got a, like, unless they were the second game on Hockey Night in Canada and you stayed up or whatever. Yeah. Um, and even then you saw, you know, the Canadian team versus whoever. Exactly. Uh, yeah. And and so I didn't really I didn't see Ronek in his prime. And when he was in his prime in the in the playoffs in those early years, I was not watching. You know, I was watching Western Conference hockey because I was watching the Leafs, but I was literally only watching the Leafs, and for only a couple of years. And then by the time I got back into the Leafs, Ronek was no longer in his absolute prime and was in Phoenix. Um, but I do feel like you know, the aura of him was of one of these like really, really dominant players. Mm -hmm. And I do feel like the extent that I saw him, he looked really, really good all the time. And, and, 
the stats just don't live up to my limited memories of him. And I think you're absolutely right. I think he, it's one of those things where like the eye test was telling you he's dominant, not just offensively. It was this, the all around thing. Yeah. And, and he was just really, really hard to play against, but because the NHL is stupid and only track the bare minimum for the very long, long time. Yeah. We don't have a historical record of that. And so all we have is, you know, we go watch, watch a bunch of like tape of, of his games. Um, but like beyond that, you know, if you, if you just want to look up his stats online, all you have are the fact that he was top 10 points twice. And you're like, well, that's middling. Yeah. I I, I feel like there's almost like a little bit of like, um, like a Canadian snobbery there. Be like, wow, for an American, he's really good. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, (laughs) Like like we may have had that attitude said that put so far back then. Cause I mean, at that at that point in the league, there there was no like Pat Lafontaine, perhaps being the the exception. Yeah. There was never an American where you're like, holy shit, I think that guy's the best guy in the league. It was always like the best twenty guys in the league are Canadian, and then we've got the Ronix, the Hulls, the yeah. et cetera, et cetera, the Medanos. Well, Hull Hull being uh, with having well, an asterisk next to his name too yes, because of where he was born, yes. um, which was in Ontario. For anyone who yes, 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 we know. I know. <laughs> you, you know what? It's one of those things that used to make me really mad, and I've kind of let it go. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> speaking of Brett Hall, we should we should get on to uh, Brett Hall, who um, is uh, is known for not only scoring seven hundred, almost seven hundred fifty goals, seven hundred forty one goals, uh, which was third at his retire third all time his retirement is now fourth because Yager passed him, yeah. I believe. Um, but is also known for basically doing it from essentially one spot. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and, and because of that, some people decided that he was only capable of one doing one thing. And, uh, you know, there are people, I, I am definitely not one of them. I'm just saying, I just, I just read your notes. <laughs> First bullet point trader. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I have met people uh, who have insisted that Brett Hall doesn't belong in the Hall of Fame because they believe that he was only very, 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 he was elite at one thing and terrible at everything else. Yeah, but um, even if that's the case, he was so elite, how do you not put him in? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I don't know how anyone, I mean, let's just say this is a really stupid argument, but how can you say that the person who was third all time in goals at his retirement doesn't belong in the Hall of Fame? Yeah. Regardless of how he did it. It's just retarded. It's really, really dumb. Well, the, anyway. the, the thing is, too, it's like, yeah, he only he could only do one thing. So why didn't teams stop him? Yeah. Because yeah. they could. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just like, it's really, and I, I mean, this is an argument I've had with people over beer. Um, and no <laughs> one's being coherent. But, like, yeah. I, I have met multiple people who said that to me. And I'm always, like, mystified. And this is coming from someone who doesn't like Brett Hall. But, like, I just mystified that there are people who think he doesn't belong. Like, I'm just like, I'm just incredulous. Like, how could you say that? Because <laughs> so other things he is at when he retired, he was 20th all time on points. He's now 23rd. Um, he's uh, he was 18th all time in his retirement in point shares. Um, you know, he, he I mean, he had a hell of a career and it's insane that people there are people out there who want to like discredit it because he got a lot of goals from one spot and he was very very good at that you know 
obviously not all of his goals came from that spot. People are excited. Um, I remember him scoring on a couple of breakaways and stuff like that. He camped out there, and the thing is, you had two choices. Put a guy on him and don't let him shoot and just stand next to him, which some teams decided to do, and then it's a four-on-three, and they pick you apart, and they score. Because his weapon was that good. It's like, and it's it's one of those things where Ovechkin's probably got the shot to break Gretzky's goal-scoring record. He also, a lot of people say, he just does that one-timer on the power play. And obviously, we've seen Ovechkin score goals in multitude of ways. Yeah, yeah. But he, gets, he gets, I would say, at least half his goals from that one spot. Yeah. But you can't stop it. So, yeah. like, how good is the guy if you can't stop him from scoring, you know? Like, yeah, at absolutely. a certain point, you got to give the guy credit. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, it's. It, I just think it's – I just brought it up because I wanted to, like, complain about it because I just think it's so bizarre that people have made this argument. Um, He – uh. He was eighth all time in goals per game at his. Uh, he is eighth all time in goals per game. He was seventh at his retirement. So again, like that is absolutely elite. Yes, he played in a high scoring era, but still. Um, and he was twenty third all time in points per game at his retirement as well. Um, ninth in offensive point shares at his retirement. Twelfth now. So you know, one of the best offensive players in the history of the sport. Yeah, basically, goal scoring wise, one of the top five or ten. And points wise, one of the top twenty. And it's, um, it's a hell of a draft year too, because that's the Mario Lemieux draft year. Patrick yeah. Roy was taken in the third round, and then Brett Hull all the way up in the uh, round six. Yeah, um, yeah, it's pretty, pretty impressive. But I mean, his his numbers are like, look, Robitai as well. Um, but his numbers are up there with those guys. Like, and and funnily enough, he's one of those players. He's one of the rare. So we were. I don't remember if we were talking about this in an episode or outside of it, but like, there is this like more and more. The draft are starting to look at the like next level down from Canadian Junior to see if the 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 major junior league has missed anyone, and yeah. that they should grab them. And there have been. I don't know the records. I I haven't seen a lot. Like I I I just remember one year, and I, I don't remember who the player was because he never turned in anything, but a guy went like third or fourth overall from the BC hockey league. And oh, like, was, uh, was it Kyle Turris? Yeah, yeah. Kyle Turris. Yeah. 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 And I mean, he's turned out to have a decent career, yeah. but like he wasn't a third overall draft pick. Right. Like, yeah. Well, it's, it's some years people just sort of believe that, right. It was um, when Wayne Gretzky was in charge in uh, Phoenix, they drafted Blake Wheeler and he was a high school hockey player from Minnesota. So he hadn't played any college hockey yet. And Wayne Gretzky's like, he's going to be the best player in this draft. You just wait and see. And I don't think he was the best, but he, well, he was, he's he, up there now. He's good. Now. But like yeah. tourists, tourists is, I haven't looked at tourists' draft, but like I'm willing to bet he's not top three in points. No, I'm sure he's not. Yeah. But it might anyway. have been a bad draft year. So this is all to say that Brett Hall was playing in a lower level. Yeah. Um, which is one of the reasons he was drafted 117th overall. And it just so happened that in this particular case, he was right and everybody else was wrong. And the Flames were right until they were wrong um, and traded him. Uh, But, like, you know, this is a guy who famously, because of his father, believed in himself uh, so much that he basically left this country and went went to a country that treated him better. Um, But, like, you know, he... 
he was taking, I presume he was taking that low because he was in a lower level hockey league because he oh, didn't yeah. make the WHL. Yeah, and I mean, he's, he's playing for Penticton in the uh, BC Junior Hockey League. And, and that, that's a, a pretty good league where a lot of players who end up in that league either bloomed late or might have lived so far out in the Rockies that they're like, yeah, I kind of can't leave my family farm and uh, join the WHL team that was interested in me. So just told them not to draft me and I'm just going to play hockey close to where I live. Who knows, right? Like, but like, if you're out. doing that, presumably you're not, you have no aspirations of joining the NHL. Right? At, at this point, absolutely. Because but... the number of people who are drafted from that league are not high. Yeah. But but the the way that it's sort of seeming to be now is like people who they don't get drafted because of their size or they don't get drafted because of you know their skating or something like that. They go to one of those leagues like the Alberta Junior Hockey League. Kale McCarr was playing there, then ended up going to Boston College, and now he stepped right into the NHL and looked amazing. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, uh, Kyle Turris. Uh, there's a kid getting drafted got drafted this year from the BC Junior Hockey League. Uh, Alex Newhook, who's supposed to be like. People are saying if he puts it all together, he's, you know, he could be a very, very good player. So it's like, it's not that they're, those leagues are incapable of producing that sort of talent. It's that you don't know what their level of competition is. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so just to actually clarify, so he was actually eligible in 82, but he was playing in like a nothing league. Wow. And then he joined the BC junior hockey league. And he scored 48 goals in 50 games, but he was ignored again. Yeah. And then uh, he scored 105 goals in 56 games. Wow. And had 188 points, again, in 56 games in in 84, and that's when he was drafted. See, see, um, the, the thing is with, with Brett Hall, it may have been that he was a good hockey player but hadn't grown into that sort of big booming shot and then his dad well he was he was chubby apparently and people weren't sure he cared yeah Yeah. but i mean it's almost like one of those things where with his dad's training and you know bobby hull probably had the hardest shot of anybody of all time yeah maybe he just told his son like hey listen you got to go do what i did and you know throw some bales of hay over your shoulder and develop this crazy slap shot or whatever training he did, or he just finally grew into like his man strength. But like once he started hammering that puck, everybody's like, well, like it was noticeable. And I mean, it's got to be one of those things where he he bloomed late. But I bet you, even with the numbers he put up in that league in those days, if his last name wasn't Hull and his dad wasn't Bobby Hull, he's probably still not getting drafted. I like, agree. At all. Yeah, I yeah. think he still would have made it because I mean, there's only a few guys in the on the planet who can shoot a puck that hard, but. Well, the other thing is that, like, he did so. So he went to college after that, after he was drafted, and uh, he broke some records there as well. Um, So, like, at some point, he probably would have been noticed. You know, if he if he had like if he hadn't been drafted and then gone to um, uh, Duluth, uh, University of Minnesota as Duluth, and then broken their uh, goal scoring record like he did. Yeah. Presumably, someone would have taken a flyer on him as a like college free agent or something, right? Yeah. Like Adam Oates yeah. or something like that. Um, are you, I mean, maybe not. If his, I mean, if his name wasn't Brett Hall, yes. but um, yeah. I mean, because the thing is, once you've done that, once you've broken records in two different leagues, if people aren't giving you a chance, something's wrong. I feel yeah. like, <laughs> yeah. Um, 
anyway, uh, yeah, I mean, I think I think you're absolutely right. I think that his name helped, and because yeah. the thing is that league was low enough down that just because he broke broke the scoring record. I mean, I you look sometimes at like the the scoring leaders in junior leagues, and there are names in there. I I think I can't remember if it's Sackick's brother or Korea's brother, but like one of them has like one of the best seasons in the history of the WHL. Wow, and it's just like you look at it and you're like, holy shit. And then you're like, wait a minute, what did this guy do in the NHL? Like literally nothing. Yeah. And so like, there's always skepticism with that, especially at a lower level. Mm-hmm. But I think you're absolutely right that his name really, his name recognition really helped. But yeah. it's funny because, because of Lemieux's injury, uh, health problems um, with uh, Hodgkins and, and, and everything else, Brett Hall is the leading goal scorer of that draft. And uh, and I mean he has he's third in assists because it's Brett Hall, yeah. Um, and he's third in points because you know Lemieux had not double the assists that Brett Hall did, but a lot more. <laughs> yeah. um, but um, well, it's 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 one of those things too. I'm, I'm 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 completely speculating. I don't know that much about Brett Hall's career, but maybe early in his career when you know people thought he was out of shape, he didn't really care. I bet you a lot of that was. Also, he would just miss the net constantly <laughs> with that bomb of a shot. Yeah. Guys would be like, he just doesn't give a crap. Be like, no, he doesn't know how to harness the power yet. And then yeah. once he started to figure out, oh, I can take five kilometers an hour off this and actually hit the net. And then when he started doing that, he started scoring goals like crazy. I'm sure it has something to do with that where he just, everything finally just clicked, but later than it should have. Or scouts... Well, it, it's interesting too, right? Because he yeah. played, he played briefly. He was brought into the Stanley Cup final and didn't do anything, and then he played uh, a bit of a like five games with Calgary, and yeah. he, and then on their AHL team, he had a phenomenal year. But like, presumably, the Flames decided, and we will get to the trade eventually. But the Flames decided, like, this guy is like he's just a he's like one of those like quadruple A players, right? Like. Yeah. He's just incredible in the minors and in junior, but like he, you know, he came up, you know, he played two games in the playoffs for the flames when they went to the, the Stanley cup in 86, no points, he played five games in 87, one goal, wow. you know, and there, and then uh, now he had a decent year in 88 before they traded him. I don't exactly know what's going on there, but I think a lot of it was, they probably looked and they saw his, like, they saw his, record breaking year or close to it for um for the what were they the moncton golden flames um but uh they're just like this is a guy who's you know he's going to be perpetually great at a lower level i don't know yeah yeah i i think they probably just also don't forget like we we talked before about how this uh, an episode about loud americans and uh, you know he was a pretty loud guy so maybe he sort of rubbed them the wrong way at a certain point and they're like we can't have this guy around the rest of the young prospects or whatever or you know what we're contending for a cup we can't we have no use for this guy if he's not going to produce because we've got yeah we've got an know, amazing team and you know all these yeah. you know other young players who are really producing at the NHL levels. We don't have time for this kind of thing, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, earlier I had started to read out of 16 players playing at least 1250 games between 1986 and 2004, not including the lockout year, the year after lockout. And that was for Brett Hall. So 16 players played between 86 and 2004. I'm 
we've ignored his last quote unquote season in Phoenix because he played five games. Yeah. Um, so of those of those uh, sixteen players to play as many games as he did over that period, he's first in goals by eighty eight. Wow. And he is first in goals per game by point one one, which may not sound like a lot, but that is a lot. That is a lot. Uh, on the other hand, he's seventh in assists and third in points. Yeah. <laughs> so you know what he did. But he's he's close to the best player of his era in terms of offensive production. And uh, over that same period, I'm not I don't have it in front of me, but my guess is that uh, the people in front of him in terms of points are Yager and Messier. Or <laughs> yeah, probably Messier. Yeah, or or maybe yeah, it's Messier or or yeah, it's got to be Messier because Gretzky retired in '99. So yeah. anyway, it's but it's like you know Hall of Famers. Um, his 82 game average, despite playing some of his career in the dead puck era is 90 points. So that is, that's 17 more than Roenick per season. <laughs> just, just mentioning that, um, his, his three year peak, 80, 90, 92, 122 points per season. Jeez. I, I realized we skipped over Roenick's playoff numbers, which were not. Super impressive. So they were good. Yeah, they're fine. They were, they were fine. good. Yeah. Um, Hull's playoff numbers are actually uh, um, are uh, are very very good, as you might imagine. Uh, 103 goals, which is fourth all time, and 190 points, which is seventh all time. Um, but he's also played in the 20 most 20th most playoff game, 14th most at his retirement. So you know, this is a guy who played. He was very lucky. Um, Calgary traded him to a team that uh, were in the playoffs, and then of course he signed free agent deals with good Stanley Cup contending teams, right? The Stars and the Red Wings. So he played a lot in the playoffs, especially when he was on the Stars. Yeah, and uh, so that you know helps. Um, he has no possession stats, uh, but his adjusted uh, adjusted stats are actually basically the same. And the one thing that happens, which is interesting, is he drops down, as you might expect, he drops down slightly in terms of uh, goal scoring. Like he has more, or sorry, slightly fewer total goals, but he's he's sixth all-time in adjusted goals rather than fourth all-time in, wow. in real goals. But otherwise, he's the same. It's the same 90, 90 points per, uh, per 82 games, which is, I think, because he just, he played enough of a, like, there's enough of a balance between the really high flying years and the, the later years. Yeah. That sort of balances out. So that trade. <laughs> um, Calgary went on to win a cup, so they don't have any regrets, I think. But still, yeah. he was traded with Steve Bozek for Rob Ramage and with Rick Wamsley. Yeah. So, ouch. The whammer. Yeah. That, that was not... Uh, and like it's such a, it looks very clearly like giving up a, up on a prospect to try and win a cup, right? Because Hall yep. was twenty three, Bozek was twenty seven, but I don't think Bozek did much, right? Bozek was like a real. I don't remember him being on that team, but I remember Rob Ramage, and I remember Rick Walmsley. So yeah, but yeah, but Bozek was on. Bozek was traded with Hall. Oh, sorry, sorry. I'm so he was on an earlier version of Calgary, but I, I mean, he was like a, he was a role player, right? Like, yeah, yeah he had twenty goals once in his career. And that yep. was before. So, so prospect and depth 
for plus uh for two guys who are older ramage was uh 29 and wamsley was 28 and uh you know it was it was for depth for a cup run right like yeah Wamsley was going to be the backup goalie and Ramage, I guess would have been like a top four, top six, uh, maybe a sixth defenseman. I don't know. Uh, the flames were pretty deep. Yeah, they were. Um, I don't know where Ramage fit in. I don't have the ice town, but basically like you understand the reasoning, I guess. On the other hand, Brett Hall had tied the rookie record in the AHL for goals scored. Yeah. And, and uh, had broken records in multiple lower like amateur leagues in goal scored you'd think maybe somebody would want more <laughs> but he was his draft his his draft number was so low i bet like if if the flames asked for more people were like come on the guy you drafted 117th overall you want more for him give me a break you know like who is he i don't know i could be wrong but i feel like his pedigree would have been pretty, despite the actual facts saying he's a goal scorer. I think the pedigree would have been pretty. Uh, <laughs> you know, you just be like, "Come on, you drafted him in the fifth round or sixth round or whatever. What do you, you really want us to give up more for this guy?" Yeah. And you'd say it worked out pretty good for St. Louis, and it mostly did, except they never actually, they never lived up to their potential. Yeah, they were. Um... They were a weird team because they they could really put the puck in the net, but they never. I don't know. St. Louis was always one of those teams where like they're really good, but I just don't see it. And yeah. I think for many years it was their goaltending problems. And then they got Grant Fuhrer and Nick Kiprios blew out his knee, and then uh, they had John Casey in nets, and they lost in that. Well, that was the year they got Gretzky to go along with their collection of insane talent. Um, and then. Uh, that was that was all the way in '96. Though I don't even know if Brett Hull was still with them. Yeah, he was. He uh, he, he was? His last season was '97, '98. Okay, so then yeah, that would have been uh, that would have been the year, and like they got Gretzky, and then they they lost in Game Seven when Eiserman hammered that puck, and I still don't think anybody could have stopped it because you basically can't see the puck. But <laughs> like it was the hardest slap shot I've ever seen anybody take in an NHL game. It was insane. Um, but Grant Fuhrer would have been the goalie. So maybe they would have already ended the series earlier, or he's also a righty. He has a, a righty mitt, so maybe he would have caught that puck. But you know, it's 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 all you know. But that was that was always St. Louis's problem. I remember they had bad goaltending or like iffy goaltending, and then yeah. all of a sudden they had. Well, they had that one year with Cujo before that, I think, or maybe that was after. Uh, Cujo was earlier, uh, I think. Well, no, it could have been that year. Um, so Cujo, because when did Cujo join the lease? It was the late nineties. Yeah. So I don't just I don't remember what season whether it was '98 or earlier than that. Uh, I have to look it up. But I just remember that year they had Grant Fuhr because they had those weird jerseys, the ones that Gretzky wore with the sort of the red sort of slanty thing at the bottom with the lines. Yeah. Um, yeah so Cujo was on Cujo was on the Oilers by that point. games. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. Traded. Yeah. But Grant Fuhr was that goalie. He played 79 out of 82 games. And he was he old. He set the record and like was just unbelievable all year. And then he got his knee blown out by Kiprios in the playoffs. And also, but Fear would have been in his mid-30s by that point, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. He was old. Yeah. But he was just playing out of his mind. Yeah. And then as soon as he got hurt, they had to put John Casey in nets, and that's why they lost. Wow. All right. That's why they lost. He actually played well. So. 
but still. It's... Yeah, they just never, they never really, yeah. oops, sorry for that noise. Uh, they never. It's really okay, did. they won it this year, so I'm sure they, they've forgotten. Yeah, they know, yeah, they're fine now. So uh, Hull has a lot more uh, hardware than Ronick does. Um, mm-hmm. He has a heart, he has a uh, Ted Lindsay, which was called the Pearson at the time. Uh, he has a Lady Bing, funnily enough. Wow. Um, he also was top five in heart voting two other times, and he was top five in Calder voting as well. Wow. So uh, Calder voting, despite the fact that the so so he came in fifth in Calder voting. Uh, I don't know who won that year. I can look it up. But like he was traded in the middle of his like decent rookie year again. I just find, oh Lemieux won it that year. That makes sense. Nope, okay. that's the heart. He won the heart. Never mind. Never mind. I'm off. Uh, Calder was new and Nick. Okay. But he had way more points that year than Hull did, uh, like almost 30 more. Um, anyway. Um, so, so you know, he, 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 he's got some awards. Um, and he, he wouldn't have won that Rookie of the Year that year just because Neuendijk was, ran away with it a little bit, I think. Yeah. But um, he also was, in 91, the year he won the heart, hockey references point shares also say he was the best player overall. Not the best forward, but the best player, um, which is relatively rare for a skater, but that's that's because of goal scoring. Um, and he was a top five player three times. He was a top uh, 10 um, offensive player, top 10 forward uh, by point shares uh, five times, which was all in the early 90s, as you might imagine. Mm-hmm. He led the league in goals three times and goal three and three times. He was top five in points three times. Um, he has a whole bunch of, he did things that very few other people did. He scored 85 goals uh, once, which is, he's one of only three players, right? Lemieux and Gretzky being the other two. Um, he's one of only two players to ever score 70 goals three times. Wow. So it's Gretzky and him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he, he can go down the list. He scored 55 goals four times. Only six players ever done that. 50 goals five times, only 11 players. 40 goals eight times, only 10 players, et cetera, et cetera, all the way down. Every every goal-scoring accomplishment in terms of number of seasons for your career, he's in the top, anywhere between top five and 15. So even when you get down to 20 goals, he scored 20 goals 17 times, which is a lot, and only 14 players have ever done it. Um, you know, Ron Francis... Shanahan, probably Recky, Messier, Gretzky, I don't know who else, Gartner, Dion, people like that. Yeah. Um, Less impressive on the assists, but still 40 assists 10 times, which is not nothing. And of course, because of that, there's it's less impressive on the points front. He scored 130 points once, but 23 players have done that. Um, hundred points four times. Twenty five players have done that, but still. And he, he, the thing is, he had a he had a high peak and he had a long career, right? He scored fifty points yeah. seventeen times. Only eighteen people have ever done that. So he's got both a, a great peak and he's got the longevity. We often talk about guys who have one or the other. He has both. Um, wow. And first team All Star three times. Weirdly, he has fewer All Star game appearances than Ronick does. So figure that one out. <laughs> that is a little weird. Eight, eight all-star game appearances for Brett Hull, nine for Jeremy Roman. So <laughs> I have no idea why. 
Is 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 it because of the position they played? Maybe like yeah, know. maybe. Or the teams they played well, on. He played on. Better you know teams. what? I bet you it's the teams they played on because he. You're yeah. right. He played on better teams, and and as we know, with the way the NHL All Star game has long worked, mm-hmm. you got to have that token All Star in there. Yeah. And Ronick would have been the token All Star on the Coyotes some years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's it's one of those bizarre, and that's why you can't go by All Star games in terms of determining whether or not yeah. the player was good, because it just means in some cases they were the best player on a terrible team. Um, so playoffs, he was, uh, he led the playoffs in goals and assists and points in, in, uh, in 2000, uh, when the stars lost to the, um, uh, the, uh, devils, but I have a hot take. My argument is that he is not the best forward on that team Oh, <laughs> because Madano scored one less point than he did oh, while okay. playing 125 minutes more. Wow. <laughs> Man. Yeah. Which I would is say just like, way more important. To me, that's like, you can't, you can't ignore that. Yeah. Well, like, I, I know they were, um, I think it was Madano recently. I think I was saying this in either the previous podcast here or two podcasts ago. Heard him on Montreal radio a little while ago on TSN 690. And it was, him talking about that and he said that Brett Hull didn't play very much in that game six because he was his knee was shredded like his knee was destroyed and so they would just cart him out there every once in a while to try to get him on the ice because they knew he had the big shot yeah they figured hey you can't skate but you still got that shot let's get him out there yeah uh, and so he ended up scoring the over well scoring the overtime winner with his toe in the crease yeah but he was the guy who put the puck in the net well that was the year before oh so you're talking the year after yeah I'm talking the year they lost okay okay yeah yeah but still, like, yeah. I mean, you know, he was recovering from that knee thing. And I mean, obviously, Madano is a better all-around player than Brett Hull. There's no question. But, you know, like we've said before, Brett Hull with that one-trick pony thing, be like he's also pretty much unstoppable if you get him the puck in the right spot. So yeah. what an important player. To, what, what an important weapon to have, you know? Yeah, and, and so this is what this is the interesting thing about him, right? Is like, you know, he, he led the playoffs in points in, in 2000. But like he did so somehow playing over two full hockey games less than his line rate. <laughs> yeah. Which is crazy. And then in, in 2002, he led the playoffs in goals, but he played top six minutes. Man. And you're just like, so he really was just such an elite scorer and he didn't necessarily need to be on the ice all the time in order to do it, yeah. which is fascinating to me. You know, because a lot of people, you know, it's like Ovechkin, like Ovechkin needs however many, his crazy number of shots a game to score, right? And I'm not, this is not a knock on Ovechkin, but I just mean like, you you look at the shots per game each year and Ovechkin's always way, way up there. And presumably in order to get that, he's got to play his 20 whatever minutes a night, you know? Whereas like here, Brett Hall is like just going out there, like you said, being carted out sometimes and is still managing to score a goal, which is just crazy yeah i just looked something up because i wasn't sure you'd said that brett hall had scored the third most goals in a season he actually scored 86 in 1991 which puts him one goal ahead of lemieux who scored 85 so he's actually second all time in goals goals in a season oh sorry all i said was he was one of three players to score 85 okay okay sorry yeah um Anyway, just clarifying, and he did that in 78 games 78 games 86 goals yeah not even yeah not even 82 yeah yeah, it's crazy. 
Um, yeah. So anyway, he was on. He was on. He won a cup with the the Stars, where he was slightly less important, but still very important um, in '99. Then he was in 2000 when he was, you could argue, the most important. But I'm arguing not. And then he won another cup again in 02, where he was, like I said, he led the playoffs in goals, but yeah. uh, was playing like top six minutes because he's Brett Hull, and apparently he can do that. Um, well, he's a power play guy, right? They put him out yeah. there every time they needed that big one timer and just set yeah. him up. And... So Olympics, he uh, he was on the 2002 Olympic team with Ronick, also played a lot. Um, yeah. Or at least, sorry, I don't know that he played a lot. He scored a lot. And based on his <laughs> career, maybe he didn't play a lot, but he scored a lot. Um, he also uh, was the best forward or skater on the uh, World Cup champion U.S. team in 96. Um I, I I think I put skater because I believe whoever they had in goal had a good year. Um, but uh, yeah, he... Uh, yeah, the, M- the MVP was Mike Richter. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so he... Uh, but he was, you know, second best player basically on that. And he was also... Uh, he led the team in points also in 1991 when they yeah. came in second in the Canada Cup. Yeah. So... We were just talking about the, the 2002 Olympics, uh, the Salt Lake Games. Uh, Canada ended up winning that 5-2, to two, but there was one point in the third it was 3-2 Canada, and they passed that puck to Brett Hull in his magic spot. Yeah. And he slapped the puck so hard, and Marty Brodeur made a toe save on it. And I was surprised his skate didn't shatter into a million pieces with how hard he hit that puck. And it's just, it's one of those things that a lot of people overlook. They forget that about that game. But I remember it like it was yesterday. I'm like, it was an incredible save. I think that's one of the times I had a heart attack in that game. Yeah, it was just, I saw him get the puck. I'm like, oh, no, it's going in. And then Bruder just made that toe save. And a lot of people were always like, oh, yeah, Bruder was so great. He played in front of, like, the devil's wall. You know, he's not a Hall of Fame goalie, blah, blah, blah. Like, a lot of people really don't like him. It's like, yeah. that save was a world-class save in a big moment. Like, he was a damn good goalie. And that save is, like, I don't know that it's on any highlight reels, but, man, it was important. And it was off, you know, probably the greatest shooter we've ever seen in our lifetimes. Yeah. And he stopped. I, I remember. Yeah. I know this was just my stress level, but I remember that game being way closer than it actually was, in part because I was just oh, it, it was, stressed. Though. Canada broke it open with about, Canada only broke it open with like less than 10 minutes left in the game. When the yeah, game yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, and I should game. remember this better than you because I was sober and you were drinking. <laughs> I, had, I, had, I had a test the next morning. So I didn't drink. Oh, like you guys were all we, sorry uh, to people who don't know what the hell we're talking about. We were at, we were watched this in a bar at school, and I was actually I had to drink like five ginger ales because they kept threatening to kick me out if I didn't order another pop <laughs> because I wasn't buying alcohol. <laughs> it was a big event. Um, it was a big event, and they were like, "Listen, we need people. Everyone in here has to be buying stuff." If you don't buy it, because I said I don't want anything to drink, and they're like, "That was the, that was the." Well, uh, for those who don't know, Riley and I, we we went to Bishop's University, the smallest university in Canada, and uh, there's there's literally one big bar in the middle of the town that everyone yeah. goes to. So they opened it that day for the gold medal game. You weren't buying beer, like get out. <laughs> we yeah, have yeah. people want like I literally I drank like we five ginger ales because I was just like, I, I think, I'm pretty sure we showed up at least. I think we showed up an hour or two before the game too. Like we had to, yeah. we wouldn't have got a seat. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we were standing. We were standing. I remember. Were we? Oh yeah. man. We were standing I, around I, the I table. I remember the game, but I don't remember. 
I don't no, remember we were where we were. At a table near the bar. Or maybe it was okay. not a table. It might have been a sh one of those shelves that you could put okay. drinks on. Yeah, yeah, anyway, yeah. Anyway, we were like, I remember our low, our, no one cares, but I remember our specific spot and, and the fact that I had to go study immediately afterwards. <laughs> it was a Sunday afternoon. While everybody anyway. else was losing their minds. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I, uh, I mean, I think we're both on the same page here. I think he is as close to a no doubter as exists. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, he's, he's a slam dunk. It's, it's, I, I don't like him. Yeah. I, I like him a little more now after the St. Louis stuff with him losing his mind. But, yeah. um, I, I had a huge grudge against him. We all called him the traitor when yeah. he was there because we thought he should have been playing for Canada. Um, even though he never could have played for Canada up until yeah. he became an all star. Yeah. Um, if you're going to be a one trick pony, you better be good at it. And man, was he good at it. Like, <laughs> just, you know, sometimes you just get that. It's almost like a baseball pitcher, like Randy yeah. Johnson. The guy can throw the ball 100 miles an hour every time he throws the ball. It's like, well, what about oh, what about Rivera? Wild, but boy, you can't hit him. What about Rivera? Yeah, or Rivera. Rivera is actually a great example. One pitch that might be the best example because he just threw that. He threw that cut fastball. Yeah, but you could never hit the damn thing. <laughs> like he's a one-trick pony. And he's like, I dare you to hit this. And the only time he ever really got beat on a big hit was that broken bat single by Luis Gonzalez. Yeah, it was the only time everybody's like, Yeah, I'm just gonna punch this into the outfield and we'll win the World Series. <laughs> like he was, yeah. It's uh, I can't even imagine what the uh, what the uh, Hall of Fame induction is gonna be like for that guy with it being so close to New York City. My God, it's gonna be rammed with Yankees fans. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's undeniable. You're like, I, I know that that's all he does, but it's unstoppable. Like he's yeah. that good. Sorry. Yeah, I, I think yeah. that that's, I mean, it's, he's the best comparison I can come up with anyway, in terms of like, yeah, it's a really good one. Sport where yeah. it's like, he does one thing, but he does it so well that it's like hall of fame worthy, that one thing that he does. Yep. And, and I, yeah, I just, I think the people who don't, who, who don't think he should be in because he was, like you said, if he was so obvious about what he was doing, why didn't teams stop him? And and also, it's just like it's an absurd thing to believe that because somebody was mostly one dimensional, but is is like top three or four all time in in a counting stat, that they shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame. Like, don't be ridiculous, you know? Like, if you think that per that guy shouldn't be in the Hall, I mean, nobody should be in the Hall of Fame. It's yeah. stupid. It's like, oh well, he couldn't play defense, and like nobody could in that era. Yeah, yeah. nobody played defense back then. Um, so our last guy is very unusual for us. We don't we talk. We've tried very hard to talk only about pro players um, because the records are better, and because there are a hell of a lot of as we talked about in our very first episode. There's a lot of these amateur leagues where it's just really hard to know. You know, the rules were different. The rules kept changing. They weren't standardized. Um, we have no idea whether the records are reliable, all this stuff. We we really don't want to talk about amateur as much, um, if possible. But the 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 great the first great American hockey player was an amateur, and he was the first great American hockey player for I don't know, seventy years. Something oh, like yeah. that. Like a very long time. Maybe even yeah, let's call it seventy. Um and his name is Hobie Baker. You know him because the college, uh, the, the the NCAA's uh, award is named after him. Um, Hobart Baker, actually. Um, yes. 
but his stats are basically nothing. Like, uh, they didn't track. There's no online record of his stats in high school. He played in the Ivy League for three years. We only have his last season in which he scored 12 goals in 11 games, which sounds great, but I have no idea whether or not that's any good. And then he played two seasons for the American Amateur Hockey League. In one season, he had 17 goals in eight games. Seems pretty good. In the next one, he had nine goals in seven games, so who knows? Um, he, uh, he, uh, he died young. Um, he was, how old was he? Uh, he was not, he was not old. He was 26 or something like that. Um, he died right after World War II. Um, crashed, right? Did he crash in a, he died in a plane crash, I think? Yeah. Yeah, he died in a plane crash in France a few hours before he was supposed to head back over. He, he just went out to test, yeah. uh, test the plane and, uh. Crashed over in France, and he was three or four hours away from flying back to America and being back. Uh, but so he, he kind of probably sad. wouldn't have played pro because nope. he was one of these weird Americans uh, <laughs> who thinks that I'm sorry, I cannot myself. Who thinks that athletes can't be played paid because it corrupts the sport? And of course, now we are in this ridiculous situation where um, the NCAA makes hundreds of millions of dollars a year and refuses to pay athletes who are the only reason that they make money but that's a whole other story um we don't know much about like from a hockey perspective we don't know much about the guy except that he was considered the best american hockey player ever at the time um it he he apparently was able to skate with the puck without looking at it um but uh I mean, we can't compare him to anybody of the time who is in the Hockey Hall of Fame because at this point in the in the teens, people were playing in the uh, in the NHA or the PCHA. And those players, we have their stats. So we can be like, oh, this guy's good compared to his competition or not. Whereas this guy, he played for the AHL, um, you know, who's like, I mean... I don't know, like a briefly Sprague Cleghorn played for it, I guess. But uh, yeah. he then went and played in the NHA. And so we have like more knowledge about him. Um, but but yeah. basically, um, you know, it's hard to know that if this league was much of anything um, in terms of like its level of competition. So you look at like his 17 goals in eight games and like, okay, that sounds really good, but I don't know. Yeah. What's well, it's, it's, um, it's it's a lot of the stuff is like he played in the era where the the game that the Americans had been playing in college was the you know uh, seven skaters on the ice um, you had four forwards um, a lot of the things um, a lot of the different tactics changed uh, when he was playing um, and apparently a lot of these were because of him that he he was so good at skating and stick handling and he could do all of these things that other players at that level couldn't do that his coach was like, well, let's try these different things. And so they ended up with, they ended up with, um, you know, the, the methods with which they entered the, the zone, the positions they played, um, the two forward positions became, you know, enter and Rover. Um, and those, uh, th- those became like standard hockey things. And a lot of that had to do with him. So, and he was just such a phenomenal athlete, no matter what sport he was playing, people showed up from miles around to see him play, 
like he was a punt returner for the football team and he was so good they're like oh he's gonna play tonight you better show up uh, get your tickets you know he was just a huge selling point as this amateur athlete who was he must have just been you know one of of those there's a few athletes like that where it's like any sport they could play they would be elite at they're just that good of an athlete um and he must have just been one of those guys yeah and and the Habs did try to get him to play for them at some point yeah Um, and he just wouldn't yeah and he wouldn't and uh so you know we don't we just don't know um you know i mean the thing is like i just i i i can't help myself uh, I'm not. I'm not for a second saying he doesn't belong in the Hall of Fame because I think for establishing, ho- helping to establish hockey in the United States, he certainly probably played a very, very big role. Oh yeah, well, um, to, me, to me, but more of a, like a builder, right? Builder. Yeah. Um, like he has. He basically has to be there as a builder. If he's not, that's ridiculous. But as a player, what do we, what do we really know about, about him? Like. Well, yeah, and, that, and the thing is, is like we because he didn't play pro we all we're left with are these stories yeah how he changed the game and that's fun but like you said like that's builder stuff and and in terms of being in the hall for your like your accomplishments as a player if you're refusing to play pro like we wouldn't accept that anymore yeah right now i know it was a different time and and that's not fair because it was a very different time but like I do, I I can't help myself in how I'm skeptical of old timey hockey narratives about greatness because frankly a lot of them are are bullshit. And I'm not saying Hobie Baker's is. I don't know, but I'm saying without him playing pro, it's a lot harder for us twenty um twenty hundred years later to like look at him and 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 know anything about him because. I mean, at least if he'd gone and played pro, we'd have, like, we'd know whether or not he, like, led the NHA in goals or something, you know? Yeah. And then if he had, we'd be Let's, like, hey, uh, I know, yeah. there's something that I, I can point to objectively and say that guy was a pretty damn good hockey player. Yeah. Well, it's, it's um, like the, you know, the hyperbole and stuff, you know, like the, uh, you got the quote from the Boston Journal, um, you know, he's without a doubt the greatest amateur hockey player ever developed in this country or Canada. No player has been able to weave in and out of a defense, change his pace and direction with the uncanny skill and generalship of Baker. He is the wonder player of hockey. <laughs> That's all we have. We have no stats. We but, like- and you can't take that seriously because like the, bo- the writer in Boston who wrote that, who the hell knows if they had watched a pro hockey game even, right? Yes. You don't know. Exactly. You just don't know. Um, the, 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 one, the one thing I will say that uh, I think is the reason that he's, um, you know, the name the name of the NCAA trophy goes to him, is that he was, you know, he insisted on being an amateur, but he, he also was very gentlemanly. Uh, apparently, he'd only taken like two playoffs, uh, sorry, two, two penalties in like all of his games. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and he he just really he despised dirty play, so he wouldn't like hook a guy or haul him down or do anything that was anything to do with dirty played the game really honestly. Yeah. And even when he's played, um, he played a little bit of semi-pro in, uh, with an amateur team in Manhattan. Um, and so some of them were, you know, amateurs, but the rest of the league were a bunch of semi-pros, uh, and the, the opponents used to try to get him like, you know, get back 
shake her. <laughs> and even though they were trying to like maim him, he would go and shake all their hands in the dressing room after, like the other locker room after the games. Like he, so I think a lot of the way he was and yeah, how fond he was remembered is is more of, yeah, absolutely, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, anyway, I mean, I'm sure he was great. We just we we can't confirm it. Yeah. <laughs> we have no way of confirming it. So, um, yeah. all right. So to recap, uh, how do you feel about Ronick? Uh, I'm gonna say I'm gonna grudgingly say no, but I want to say yes. Um, I don't think his stats get him in, but I think that with the standards the Hall has set and what we suspect his course he would have been had we known those numbers, I I think he should be in. But I'm gonna say that if if I had if I had to take a vote on my own hall he's a no and if i take on the hall the way it is today i could easily be talked into it like i i'm really on the fence like you know what i won't be upset if he gets in and if he doesn't get in i'm like eh, stats don't really get him there but i feel like the stats lie a little bit in his case like i think he was better than his stat show i I tend to agree with you but i'm gonna go i'm just gonna say no um even though i tend to agree with you um again with you if he's inducted this year or another year, I'm, I'm not going to get upset about it. Um, yeah, I, I do feel like more information would probably prove that he was he's more deserving. But I think there's a lot of players out there um, who would benefit yeah. from yeah. more information and not just necessarily yeah. possession information, but just all sorts of information. Like um, we just know so much more about you know what affects the game now than we did in the past. But yeah, I'm going to go with a no. Um, but uh, as you said, I'm open to being talked into it too, if someone wants to try. Um, Brett Hull. Uh, Brett Hull, absolutely. Slam dunk. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Um, don't, don't have to like him, but boy, can he shoot that puck. Yeah. <laughs> and lastly, Hobie Baker. Hobie Baker as a builder. Um, kind of wish we, we knew more about him. Or we yeah. had... Uh, a way to qualify him to be in there. He sounds like a super guy. Um, and I know that uh, he's fondly remembered for his amateur stance and the fact that he died very young after going over to fight in World War One. But um, if it was in this, sorry. Uh, no, it's, I'm just reading about his last flight. It's awful. <laughs> I, w- I was just going to say, if it was an uh, NHL Hall of Fame, I would say no. But it's not. It's a Hockey Hall of Fame. Um, I, yeah. uh, But even though it is mostly dominated by NHL players now. Um, but they didn't know that at the time, of course. Um, I, I mean, like, I'm fine with him being in because I, I don't know enough to say no. Um, I just, I do yeah. find the whole question of amateurs being in quite hard in general. Yeah, it really is. It's tricky, but I, I guess if we're putting a lot of other amateurs in, I don't see why he shouldn't be, especially given his importance as a builder. Yeah. Um, and I've I've long said a lot of these guys should be in as in the builder category, because we just don't know. But I mean, how good they were, we just don't have the evidence. But I mean, there, there's there's some guys who've got to be in there that I'm like, you know what? If they're in there from the old times. Hobie Baker probably should be too. So we, we, we've avoided amateurs for a reason. One of the reasons we avoided them for the most part is because we, when, we were, when I was, uh, I, I don't remember to what extent we talked about this, but when I was looking at the stats of the amateur leagues, 
it was impossible to figure out why one guy had been inducted and one guy hadn't been, right? Because you'd have one guy who like scored like, I don't know, I'm just pulling numbers out of my ass, but like 15 goals in like 20 games and wasn't in. And some other guy who played six games in the league and scored six goals and was in. And you're like, well, why is this guy in? And, and you know, their Wikipedia articles would be a stub. And you're like, okay, I, I don't know anything about either of these guys. And so we were like, we didn't want to like wade too far into that uh, because, you know, there's just so little information about them. And you're really just like, as, as Bill, you've said a bunch of times, you sort of wonder how much of this was like, this guy had a good story that someone could tell the induction ceremony and this guy didn't. Well, fortunately, Hobie yeah. Baker has a really good story yeah. and he's got lots of information about him, right? Compared to the amateurs that played in the yeah. 19th century. Um, so, I mean, I'm fine with him being in there. Yeah. Um, and especially given that the award's named after him. But I do agree. I, I, I think he's probably yeah. better off in the builder category than he is a player. Yeah. And I mean, it's one of those things. It's um, like you said, you know, it's, a, it's, it's that story that makes him so appealing too. you know, he goes over to world War one goes up for one last flight and in, uh, in an, <laughs> in an old spad. And apparently everyone tried to talk him out. Yeah. Like, don't say it's the last flight. You fool. Um, um, and then apparently the plane he insisted on flying was a borrowed one just out of the repair shop. And of course, uh, that was uh, the end of quit and the plane crashed. And he was only 26 when he died, which is super yeah. sad because maybe he would have played pro when he came back, you know, um, but he was. Maybe someone would talk about it in silly stance. Yeah, he was he was one of the first Americans uh, elected in 1945. And I mean there weren't that many great Americans back then. So the legend of him must have been just, you know, had grown ever since. Well, there were very um, few. There were very few. Yeah. Yeah. So I, if you look at like, I don't think it's just because he was an American, but I feel like with the story helps. and with, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's a shame because we might've had more on him and been able to just justifiably say, this guy was a fantastic hockey player and we have some stats to back it up so we can, say without a doubt you know it would be nice yeah it would um, be yeah all right well that's that's uh all for us this episode uh we're sorry it took so long but uh it's here now and you <laughs> hope to have another one in uh coming soon um and that reminds me i have to talk to you bill about something off air uh because i have oh. I, uh, a teaser for everybody I have an idea that I uh, of a different kind of episode um, that we might launch sometime soon. So uh, we'll see, but hopefully we'll have a surprise for you in the coming weeks. So thanks for listening, and we will see you next time. Take care.